The following is a message from the pulpit of Parkside Baptist Church in Mesquite, Texas, led by Pastor Mike Wells. Man, very proud of you. Take your Bible, please, and go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Look at verse 17. It's good to see the Tackett family with us tonight. We love them very much, and I see them sending over there. What a blessing it is to be able to partner with them also in the ministry. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 17, the Bible says, For our light affliction, it says, which is uh, for a moment, but for a moment, it says. This is Paul speaking. Now, let me give you just a, just a little insight on Paul before I continue to read. Paul has already gone through devastating times. Uh, he'd been robbed uh, by his own countrymen. He'd been forsaken. Uh, even those that he thought was close to him had turned their backs on him. He'd been left uh, in the deep of the sea several times. He was beaten on the back several times. And yet here he is at this stage in his life. Now understand all the devastation uh, that he has already gone through. Now he's going to testify. And he says this. He says, for our light affliction. Can you imagine? For our light affliction is what he's saying, including himself in that hour. For our light affliction, but is uh, but for a moment worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Uh, the Bible says, while uh, we uh, look not at the things which are seen, but at the things that are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, and the things which are not seen are eternal. As we get into just a short series uh, on understanding suffering, I want to be able to talk about the topic tonight on why does God allow suffering? Why? Why does God allow suffering? Uh, you know, probably the, uh, the most devastating thing that I have seen in my lifetime was the attack on America during the Twin Towers. Uh, probably that's the most devastating thing I've seen as far as in my lifetime. Uh, but there was one that was uh, something that touched home because I knew the family uh, a little bit better than those that I would have known in the Twin Towers. The ones that I knew personally that was in the Twin Towers got out alive. Uh, I didn't have any friends that was killed in the Twin Towers. But, uh, but when I was in Brooklyn, New York, and I lived in Brooklyn, New York, we had a, a family, and some of you that's been longtime members here might uh, uh, remember as I relate the story to you. Uh, but we had a family, it was a family uh, that had seven children, uh, was a single mother, the, the father had left, and so she's struggling, she's trying to raise her children. It was during a wintry month, and so the children were hungry. She couldn't find anything in the cabinets to be able to feed them. So she decided to go down the block, and if you're familiar with Brooklyn, uh, of course there is uh, uh, little stores on almost every corner where you can go in and buy bread and groceries. And so she decided to go down the block just to buy some groceries for the children that morning. Uh, she lived in a bad neighborhood, and in those days in Brooklyn, if you lived in a bad neighborhood, there's normally bars on the windows, and uh, all of the doors mostly in the apartment buildings were fireproof, which means that they would be metal doors. And so uh, she didn't want the kids. Some of them were little. She didn't want them to get up and go roaming down the hallway and maybe get hurt, so uh, she locked the door from the outside, took the key with her. And she went down to be able to purchase some breakfast nooks for the kids, and um, she was gone for some time. She went to one store, couldn't find anything. Went to another store, couldn't find anything. Finally went down a couple more blocks and found what she needed. 
Uh, she was on the way back and she heard fire trucks and what had happened is uh, one of the children that was younger went into the kitchen area and uh, she was cold and she tried to uh, light the eyes on the stove, it being a gas stove, and so she tried to light the eyes on the stove. She turned all the knobs on and couldn't get it lit, turned the oven on, couldn't get it lit. And so uh, she just decided, well, it's not working, so I just go to the other room. So she left it all uh, still oozing out the gas. Uh, a brother woke up a little bit later and he went in and he was cold too. And he went in, he saw that the knobs were already on, so he took a match and was going to light uh, the, uh, the, the fire there and so when he did uh, the kitchen erupted in a massive flame and uh, here he is here the children are they're in that apartment in Brooklyn they're trying to get out there were screams as they went over to the window and they grabbed the bars they tried to bang against the door to get out they couldn't get out mom had the key metal door and so all seven of those children died that day in that tragic fire. The following Saturday, we had the funeral. And I remember my pastor, Dr. Morgan, would stand behind the pulpit. And there were seven little caskets uh, ranging from age five all the way up to age 16 that would lie there in front of the pulpit on that tragic morning. And we had a funeral service for that family as that dear mother would sit there in a veil of tears, agonizing in the heart, uh, very, very much not understanding what was taking place at that time in her life. I never will forget that. Uh, some of those I had the privilege to sit down and lead to Christ. I remember the older boy, 16 years of age. I've witnessed to him over and over again. He wanted nothing to do with God, wanted nothing to do with Christ, and uh, never received Christ as Savior. And, uh, and I remember having such a burden for him and his other uh, siblings that were younger. But can I tell you, that was a tragedy that day. Uh, I've seen many tragedies, as I've talked about to when I first became pastor here. We had a young couple in our church that was with, ch with children, and uh, they had twins. And we had a graveside service there and had to bury those twins. And uh, that was a tragedy. Uh, I've seen people that have uh, been knocked down in the middle of life and had cancer, or maybe a dysfunctional heart or some other type of fatal disease that had taken uh, a, a grip on their body and and of course, then uh, they, they perished as far as the physical life is concerned. Here, Paul, of course, he is uh, trying to encourage the church. In, in this particular church, the church at Corinth, there was a time in the church of Corinth that an outstanding Christian uh, had died, and uh, the people needed to understand why. Why did he die? Here was a good man serving God, a good man trying to live for God, and all of a sudden he dies. And so Paul tries to encourage the church at Corinth. Uh, can I tell you, uh, there's, uh, uh, there's uh, the question about why. Uh, from the very first tier to the latest uh, newscast, there's always going to be the question about why. Uh, why the suffering? Why the heartache? Why the pain? Why the death? You know, why? Why? Job had that question, of course, and God uh, answered his question and tried to help him. The Apostle Paul, of course, making some statements here. But I'd like to be able to do a Bible study tonight, and I'm not really sure how much I'll get preachy, but I want us to understand the fabric of suffering tonight, at least uh, from the first standpoint that I'll give. Statement number one, uh, why? Why? Suffering uh, keeps uh, this world from becoming 
too attractive. When a person suffers, uh, it keeps this world from becoming too attractive. If we're not careful, uh, we can become entangled again with the affairs of this world. You know, and so when suffering time comes, it helps us to understand the gravity of really who we are. Uh, we're but human. Uh, you're not going to live in your physical state forever. And so it helps us to understand uh, that about the brevity of life. Uh, you know, the Bible uh, shows us through and through that we're just pilgrims. Uh, we're sojourners. We're just passing through. Uh, uh, the song that we used to sing with our children, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through, is so true. And so the Bible teaches in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 1, the Bible says, for we uh, know that if our earthly house, that is this tabernacle, were dissolved and uh, have a, a building of God, we have a building of God, a house that is not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So one day, this this earthly tabernacle, your body, if you will, it's going to get older. It's going to get uh, uh, more, if you would please, decayed, and one day it's going to stop. Uh, but we're not supposed to look at this earthly tabernacle. Second uh, Corinthians chapter five and verse four, the Bible says, "For uh, we are that uh, in this tabernacle." Do groan. It says, uh, "Being burdened." It says, "Not for that would uh, be unclothed, but clothed upon uh, that mortality might be swallowed up in life." Now, what's that talking about? Well, that means this: that when this earthly body, this tabernacle, if you will, when it perishes for the believer you live on amen uh, this is just temporary this is just temporary and so uh, uh, for those that live for this world I feel for them because it's just temporary for those if you would please that's living only for the now I feel for them it's just temporary you know uh, the Christian that's the dedicated Christian is going to live more for that which is the come than that which is the now I think it's good that we always keep our affairs in order, but even a strong man will only live uh, uh, three score and ten. Uh, we understand this, that uh, uh, we understand that one day this which is our body is going to cease to be the way that it is. And so suffering uh, keeps this world uh, from becoming too attractive. You know why? Because we're just here for a little while. I never will forget, uh, there was a little boy, uh, the mom and dad, they were building a house on the other side of the hill. And so this little boy, uh, he went to the old house and uh, he was taking some stones and throwing them against the old house. And somebody came by and said, why are you doing that? Why are you throwing stones at your house? He said, mom and daddy built another one on the other side of the hill. I'm getting ready to go to that one. Now, can I tell you, we're just sojourning here. You say, well, it's not going too well for me right now. Well, don't get too concerned about it. You're just sojourning here. You're just going to be here a little while. Can I say this tonight? Uh, suffering keeps uh, this world from becoming too attractive. Statement number next, uh, suffering can bring out our best. Suffering can bring out our best. So what do you mean? Uh, when somebody goes through suffering, true friends rise to support. 
Uh, when somebody goes through suffering, sometimes people go the extra mile to uh, prepare food or uh, be able to extend the hand of blessing, uh, maybe even financial support or something like that. I'm saying when disasters come, here's what happens. It brings out the best in us to be able to walk beside the people that we love, the people that we cherish, the people that we try to uh, help to encourage when suffering comes, uh, when a fire takes place, a tornado touches down. Uh, what do you do? You run to that friend and you say, how can I help? What can I do to help you make it through the devastation? When all of a sudden there's a personal tribulation that a person goes through, uh, the character of that which is a friend all of a sudden rises. Uh, book of Romans chapter 5 and verse 3, the Bible says, and not only so, uh, it says, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience, listen to the word, hope. Hope. So when the Christian goes through suffering, when the Christian goes through devastation, when the Christian goes through uh, something that's astronomical and they just don't think that they can make it, they're going to have what? Hope. There's hope. Now can I say tonight, uh, God's given you a great hope. Why? Because when this life ends, uh, that which is your eternal abiding in heaven begins. What is that? Hope. Uh, that's why we run the buses. Why? Because we're going to give the hope of glory who is Jesus Christ. Uh, that's why we go into the public schools. Why? Because we're going to give the hope of glory who is Jesus Christ. Uh, that's why we send out missionaries to a foreign field and why we in our church take mission trips over and over and over again. Why? Because we're delivering that which is the message of hope that is found in Jesus Christ. So suffering keeps this world from becoming attractive. Suffering uh, uh, can bring out our best. Uh, suffering gives an occasion to silence uh, the enemies of God. Gives an occasion to silence the enemies of God. You remember Job? Uh, in all of Job's suffering, here's what the Bible says, he sinned not. In all of his sufferings, never one time did he curse the name of God. Never one time uh, did he rise up and say, uh, with a fist in the air, this is not right. What did it do? Uh, it caused Job to be able to understand who God was. And so by doing, it silenced even the very voice of Satan. Can I tell you that uh, suffering gives us an occasion uh, to uh, uh, silence that which is the very enemies of God. Uh, Peter testified of that. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 15, the Bible says, For uh, so is the will of God that will with doing it may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. So with that which is suffering, what does it do? It puts to silence the voices of those that are ignorant men. You realize this, that when you go through uh, catastrophic times, when you go through times of devastation, do you realize that there are Christians out there just, uh, what? I said Christians. Christians out there that are watching you to say, okay, let's see how he does with that one. It's not just the lost world that watches you. There's Christians. Well, let's see if he'll be faithful to church now. Let's see that if uh, he'll love God now. Hey, let's just see uh, if he'll curse God. Let's just see what he'll do with his life. 
Can I tell you, no matter what you go through in your life, you always ought to keep Jesus Christ first. You say, why? Because uh, uh, even though you go through devastations in your life, trials in your life, uh, tribulations, uh, personal tribulations in your life, problems in your life, God does not change, and God is still there for you. All right? So we see that suffering keeps uh, this world from becoming too attractive. Uh, suffering will bring uh, out our best. Suffering gives us an occasion to silence the very enemies of God. Uh, statement number next, uh, suffering makes uh, uh, us appreciative. Somebody said you don't value what you have until you lost it. When you go through suffering, uh, uh, McDowell family sang the other night, I think it was on a Wednesday night, right? McDowell family sang over here. James got up and he said this. He said, I remember, I guess it was Katrina. James, is that right, Katrina? Oh, the flood of 2016. He lived in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And so he remembers the kids getting all the stuff, carrying it out to that which is the street. And he said, but they had a song in their heart. Somebody saw that. Now they can testify of that. By the way, you ought to be able to go through suffering so that one day you can have a testimony. Well, I tell you what, I went through suffering and it was just too much. I gave up. That's not a good testimony. Maybe you ought to say, hey, went through suffering. It was rough. It was hard. Uh, I was tempted to give up, but then I remembered God. Because he can help you through. Amen. You say, well, what if I die? Going to heaven. Amen. So either way, you're going to benefit. You'll get that after a while. <laughs> Suffering makes us appreciative. Uh, we become more appreciative for good health when we suffer bad health. We become more appreciative with good friends when we don't have any. We become appreciative with loving families when all of a sudden one goes missing and dies. Uh, there's the example. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 3, the Bible says, I thank God. This is Paul talking to the church at Philippi. He said, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. He said, man, every time I think of you, I just thank God. Uh, wouldn't it be great if we could be friends like that to people? That Casey Palmore says about Mike Wells, every time I think of you, I just thank God. Wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great if a son and a dad had that? Son says it about dad. Dad says it about... Wouldn't it be neat? Wouldn't it be neat? Friend and friend say something like, wouldn't it be neat? Hey, listen, uh, here's what Paul said to the church at Philippi. He said, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. He said, always in every prayer in verse 4, he said, of mine for you, all making request with joy. He said, man, every time I think about you, he said, I just can't help but be joyful. Be joyful. Uh, by the way, uh, when people go through devastating times, they need somebody that's in the ship. Remember, Paul was in that, that storm. He looked at the men. He said, look, 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 do thyself no harm. He said, just stay with me, man. Do that. He said, it's going to be okay. There needs to be somebody 
that's in your family, when all of a sudden devastation time comes, that rises up and say, to, wait a minute, whoa, stop. God's not dead. The same God that brought us through problems before is the same God that can bring us through problems now. You say, preacher, I don't need this sermon. I don't have any problems yet. Amen. Problems will come. Yes, Suffering will come. Yes, Trials will come. Disappointment will come. I'm saying this, suffering keeps this world from becoming attractive. Suffering uh, uh, brings uh, the very best out of us. Suffering gives us an occasion to silence the enemies of God. Uh, suffering makes us appreciative. Uh, listen to this, uh, the Bible teaches this principle that suffering makes us more dependent upon God. Suffering makes us more dependent upon God. You might not trust him much now, but my dear friend, you go through a car wreck, you get diagnosed with cancer, something that you can't control, and you'll come off of your big horse, and you're going to say, okay, God, now I need you. Can I tell you that suffering makes us more dependent upon God? I know people that uh, did not serve God all their lives and all of a sudden they get stricken down with some dreadful disease. And now they say, okay, God, you got my attention. Now, I want to reason with you. Why would you wait that long? When you could have all the blessings of God in your life, why wait till something tragic happens to turn to him? You say, nothing tragic would ever happen to me, preacher. You're going to die one day. Most people I know, I'm just being honest with you, most people I know, most people I know at the time of death have a hard time. Uh, I, I cannot begin to tell you how many funerals I preached. I know the first year that I was at Union City Baptist Temple. First year, I preached 11 church funerals. Always just a kid. I said, people are dying to get away from me. But it was very sad. 11 church funerals in 12 months. Now, can I tell you, there was a lot of tears. There's a lot of people coming together, hugging each other. And God used that to strengthen our church and to help a lot of people. And people got on fire for God like crazy but can i tell you uh suffering does make us depend more on god uh, acts chapter 17 verse 28 the bible says for in him we live and move and have our being in him he wants us to understand that in him we exist makes us rely more on him makes us rely more on him I've had uh, kidney stones three times in my life. I don't wish that on anyone. Remember the first time I was preaching uh, in Yakinville, uh, well, it was in Turner's Creek. I was the, the main speaker uh, for their youth camp, and all of a sudden, man, my side started hurting. I know what it was. Remember that? I know what it was. Man, I, was, I thought I was going to die. I know what it was. I thought, man, you know, maybe appendicitis. I don't know. 
appendix maybe I don't know what is it so I I, I had Mrs. Welch which is the camp director's wife Mrs. Welch I said uh, uh, can you come down and check me out I just want to make sure you know that that and she felt around and she said eh, I don't think it's I don't think that's the appendix and I said well it comes and it goes I said but man when it comes oh 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 does it come and I said, but I think I'll be all right. It was the last day of the camp meeting. Man, God was working. Kids' hearts were becoming quite tender. I, I knew there was going to be a good reaping for God that night. I just knew it. And, and I, I really wanted to finish it out. I preached all week long. I preached in the morning times and in the evening times. And uh, man, I just knew God was going to do a great thing in that service that night at that altar. I just knew God was going to do it. And, and here I am. And, and I, I just preached that morning and all oh boy in the afternoon oh it hit me I mean it just knocked my socks off it hit me hard and I turned to my dear wife and I said honey you need to go get her one more time I think I'm about to 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 to, to die and so uh, she came down she got the camp van uh, I laid in the front seat uh, of that you know the, 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 the front not not up front but the front uh, seat of that I laid there and man here I am and we're going to the hospital now God knew his name well that day because I couldn't say anything but oh God oh father oh I couldn't get nothing else out I mean that's all that was coming out I couldn't say help I couldn't oh God oh and I was trying to call on him but I just he just knew I needed help you know, and I went to a hospital, country hospital, laid back, you know, uh, kind of picture it, maybe chickens in the front yard, <laughs> pigs running down the hallway. No, not that bad. But country hospital. And man, I go walking in. I mean, I'm all bent over. And the doctor comes to me. And he says, uh, <laughs> he laughed at me. He did not even know me. And he, <laughs> I thought, man, you know, I thought Frankenstein had died, you know. And he goes, <laughs> he's got a, he's having a jolly old time. Here I am, I'm dying. And he said, it hurts, doesn't it? <laughs> no, no, it doesn't hurt. You know, I come to the hospitals to tell everybody I don't hurt. I'm just here. I said, it hurts. And he said, I'll be with you in a minute. And, and it, he turned around, walked off. I'm thinking, what? You know. <laughs> and finally, a nurse said, you're really hurting, aren't you? Yeah. He said, let me, she said, let me get a wheelchair. So she got a wheelchair. Well, that didn't help any, but at least I sat down. So he got in a wheelchair. Finally, he pushed me back. And he said, you got kidney stones. He said, I can tell without examining you one time. I've seen it so many times. I know what it is. I said, well, heal me. I don't want to live this way. I've got to preach tonight. Oh, he said, you won't be preaching tonight. I said, I've got to. I'm the closing speaker. They don't have another speaker. I've got to preach tonight. Please do something. And uh, he gave me some medication, and I got kind of loofy a little bit. And then uh, they took me back, and I rested a little bit, and I got up. I don't know what I preached. I had no idea what I said. I probably taught false doctrine that night. But we had a good invitation. But can I tell you, listen, suffering makes us depend more on God. 
When you go through suffering in your life, it causes you to depend on God. Statement number next, suffering helps purify us. Suffering helps purify us. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 through 7, the Bible says, wherein it says, uh, ye greatly rejoice, uh, though now for a season, uh, if it be ye are in heavens through the manifold, listen to it now, temptations. So he said, wait a minute, now that you've got all these temptations, he said, I'm just telling you that uh, you understand a little bit more about heaven. Here's what he says in verse 7. He says that the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold. Oh, wait a minute. Here I am. I'm, I'm, I'm suffering. God said, hey, wait a minute. Here's what I'm doing. I'm purifying you. It's the trying of your faith. I'm putting it through the fire. You know, when we go through sufferings, we get real serious about God, don't we? Uh, James chapter 1 and verse uh, 2, it says this, My brother counted all joy when falling into, when fall into divers' temptations, knowing that this, the trying of your faith worketh patience, and let patience have her perfect work, that ye uh, be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask it of God, that give it to all men liberally and upbraid if not, and it shall be given you, given him. All right, so what is he saying? He said, when you go through times like that, it also matures you. You get very serious, it purifies your faith, and now it begins to mature you. Nobody likes to go through the trying time, but most of the time, a trying time makes you a better Christian. Draws you closer to God. When you've got a lot of money, you don't need to pray for much, do you? When you got lots of food, you don't need to trust God for food much, do you? One of the best things could ever happen in an individual's life is that God takes them low so he can become high. Here it is, statement number next, almost done. Suffering makes us sympathetic. Suffering makes us sympathetic. Uh, here the church at Corinth, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 4. Uh, I'll read it, almost done, but I want you to get it. Here it is. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 3, it says, uh, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort. The Bible says, Who comforteth us in all of our tribulation? Uh, that we may be able to uh, comfort them, uh, which it says are in any trouble. So wait a minute. So I go through different times so that I can be sympathetic to somebody else and comfort them. If I didn't go through difficult times, I'd have a hard time comforting someone else. Years ago, 20, 25, 30 years ago, I became allergic to the granified white sugar. I, I cannot have white sugar. Not, I'd have brown sugar. Uh, I can have uh, uh, stevia. I can have stevia. Matter of fact, Ray Young just introduced me to that stevia stuff. It's pretty good. I, I, I can have uh, uh, whatever comes in the yellow pack. I don't know what that is. But Splenda, thank you. You use Splenda. Okay, and so I, I can use Splenda. That's great. You know, they said that, I don't know if it's the yellow pack. No, no, I don't know if it's the blue pack or the pink pack. One of them, they say, will give you cancer. The other one will kill your brain cells and you can't remember. I don't know which one. So, <laughs> <laughs> so 
But here's the thing. So if you take the one that you get cancer with first, and then you take the other one, you'll just never remember you got cancer. That's why they serve them together on the same table. Years ago, I came allergic to granified white sugar. Never understood that. Why can I not be allergic to pepper? Maybe hot sauce. You know, something you very rarely use. But sugar. You know how many products have that type of sugar in them? I mean, you walk into a store, a grocery store, and you breathe. It's everywhere. Granified white sugar. Now, can I tell you that's helped me to become sympathetic to people that are diabetic? Because there's things they can't do. It's helped me to become sympathetic to people that can't eat certain products because of the problem I've got. You know, when you go through certain things in your life, you become sympathetic to others. Yeah. Never forget one day I was eating some of that sugar I should not have eaten. And, you know, from time to time, you do get tempted in any way. And so I'd, I'd take a little bit of it. And I remember, I'd, I'll never forget it. Never forget it. Our church was growing in Tennessee. God was working. People were coming. When I took the churches running about 35, we were up around three, 400 or so at that time or whatever. And, and so the church was growing. It was, it was fun. We were having a good time. I'll never forget it. Peggy. Peggy was my secretary. And I, I'd eaten some sugar the night before. And I was always joking with people, just like I do today. And so I walked in the office. I was a little bit late. And I said, Peggy, Peggy, oh, man, you have got to pray for Sylvia and I. Last night, we had a knockdown, drag-out fight. Oh, it was bad. I'm surprised the police didn't come. I said, and we're thinking about divorce. And I thought, I got her. I walked in my office. Now, by the way, none of that's true. <laughs> But, but see, I was swollen because I ate that sugar the night before. My eyes were all puffy. My hands were all swollen. It looked like I got in a fight and lost. So, I mean, it could validate that which I said. And so I, I went to my office just enjoying the day, drinking a cup of coffee, studying. I walked out. Oh, I don't know, about mid-noon. Peggy was on the phone. So I thought, that's neat. She's on the phone trying to get people to come to church. She was whispering. So I, I got up a little bit close. I wanted to hear what she said. She said, Preacher and Mrs. Wells was in a fight last night. You won't believe this. They're going to get a divorce. I said, Peggy, Peggy, how many people have you called? She said, most of them. But I was joking. She said, you forgot to tell me you were joking. Uh, it gets worse. So Wednesday night, Wednesday night, you know, that's the, that's the time we come to church after Sunday. Wednesday night, my wife stayed home sick. So here I'm walking down the hallway. I announced it. Hey, yeah, hey, I, I just pulled a funny. I did. I pulled a funny. And uh, let me tell you about it. People just staring at me like, I hate you. <laughs> and I said, my wife's homesick, and I'm going to go home, and uh, I'm going to, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, I had people that night walking down the hall. They wouldn't talk to me. <laughs> you remember that, Mike? Was you there? Was you there? And, uh, and so what I'm saying is this. I'm saying that... Uh, 
I'm saying that was a good illustration. <laughs> but suffering does make you have sympathy towards other people that's going through it. Didn't you feel for me just a minute ago? I can never tell that you felt for me by your face. I just... Romans chapter 12 and verse 15, the Bible says, Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that do weep. You know, we have people in our church that have cancer. Miss Baldivis, of course, was just diagnosed. You know, we, uh, Brother Hilliard, we've been praying for him. He's in, uh, in, in cancer and got cancer, and, it, you know, it's, it's increasing. And Others have, of course, not robust health, but are having health difficulty. We pray for Emily. I cannot begin to tell you how much, Sylvia, and I love you, and we pray for you so often. You know, and so many other people that we have here in our church that we pray for on a personal basis. Now, can I tell you this? Uh, when, when you go through different sufferings, it makes you sympathetic to others. Uh, let me give you one last thought. I'm done. Here it is. Suffering teaches us to pray. Teaches us to pray. When you go through suffering, it teaches you to pray. By the way, it teaches you to pray earnestly. Uh, Romans chapter 8 and verse 26, the Bible says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, that we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. And so the Bible teaches that when all of a sudden we begin to pray, like I did at that youth camp years ago, uh, the Holy Spirit interprets that. And he says, okay, Father, he needs your help. He needs your help. Uh, when we go through suffering, it can help us. We don't like to look at it that way. We're going to look at some other views of suffering over the next couple of Sunday nights. But uh, why does God allow suffering? I gave you some reasons tonight. There might be many more. But can I tell you, uh, the Bible is clear about those as to why we go through different types of suffering. But when people go through them, what do you do, preacher? What do you do? I'll tell you what we should do. We should love them, be close to them, try and help them, pray for them, encourage them, walk beside them. And by the way, just like I preached this morning, uh, depending on how they view it, depending on what they've gone through in their lives. You know, some people, they go through suffering and it's like, oh, that's no big deal. Other people go through suffering and it's, it's devastating to them really depends on how they was raised, maybe about the Bible that they know, maybe the kind of friends that they've had over their lifetime. Uh, sometimes when uh, people go through suffering, it devastates them. And it's what we would call maybe just a small little suffering, but it devastates them. Let me help you. Don't judge people the way they go through suffering. Here's what you do. You just do your job. You walk beside them, you pray, you encourage them. You just be there for them and allow God to use you. Father, help us, I pray tonight, please. Thank you for joining us today. For more audio or video content, you can visit our website at parksidebaptist.org.